Check it out. Roger the announcer here, and you're listening to an exclusive interview of J. Rue the Damager on Taker Personal Radio. Be sure to visit our Vivo channel to hear past interviews of hip hop's finest. Stay tuned and keep it locked to your favorite podcast, Taker Personal Radio, at takerpersonalradio.com. Yo, just relax. Take it easy. No matter what going on, I'm still getting mine. Still. Y'all know the name. Uh, right now you're tuned in to take it personal. <laughs> <laughs> what you waiting for? Got, got a style on mass, mass. I'm like, oh my god, my god, oh my god. Danger. <laughs> take, 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 take it personal. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, this is DJ Premier. Take it personal radio. Y'all always doing the damn thing, and y'all need to listen up. All right, yo, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you motherfuckers are tuned in because right now, if you don't know what the fuck is about to go on. This is Take It Personal with my boy Full of Flavor, Kevlar, A-A-Ron, Roger the Announcer, and DJ 360 with his stinking ass. Yo, what's up? It's Eric Summer, the Green Knight Bandit, representing the EPMD, here on Take It Personal Radio. This the truth. Yeah, yeah, y'all. Checking out the Take It Personal Radio show. Yeah, yeah. It's your boy Farrell March. You already know what it is. Right now, you're checking out the Take It Personal show. Nothing but the real hip hop. The revolution is here. No doubt, no doubt. Y'all care anymore about this hip hop man? Yo, this is KRS One. Check it out, this is Marco Polo. Yo, check this out, it's the Soul Brother number one, Pete Rock. Yup, y'all know the name. Right now, you're tuned in to take it personal. Basically, they know what the fuck they're doing, and you don't. So pay attention, you might learn something. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is uh, a man we first heard in 1992 when he said he's gonna tap Jaws. And we were hooked. (laughs) We were hooked the moment we heard that instant collaboration off uh, Gangstar's Daily Operation on the Man. Uh, so just to kind of give the listeners a little background before we get into this, we have the man J-Ru, the damager himself. What up, J-Ru? What's going down? I appreciate... Um, what's up? Anything. <laughs> I appreciate the time, man. Like I said, uh, before we, we did this with the Beat Nuts for their 94 mm-hmm. classic street level. So it made sense. We go classic. back to 94... And uh, we wanted to really kind of dive into to your classic, The Sun Rises in the East. You know, it's, right. uh, it, it's kind of funny to say this because it came out, I think, in a year where they had more classic albums than any other year in hip hop, or at least arguably among the top two or three. Some of the best. But the replay on that album was great. It was mad records out that year. OC, like I think, I think OC was 94, right? Time's up. Time's up. There's yep. a lot of dope records. Hold on. When did um Pharaoh Munch and them? When that, did that, that was 94. So, that yep. Out? That album, Resurrection by Common. Um, you know, we just mentioned the Beat Nuts. These are albums that I feel like there are classics and they're always a mention among the best of that year, but they're not celebrated in the same sense of, say, Illmatic and Ready to Die, which is kind of why we want to spotlight your album because to me, that album right. is justifiably as good as those that we had mentioned. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's only because I got four and a half stars in, in the source in the of source. five. You know what I'm saying? Like, they jerked me out of a, a, star, a half a star, but it's all good. That's better than most, though. I mean, I'm better than most. 
So I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, I those are those are dope albums, and you know, and the funny thing about those albums, let's say like an album like Illmatic, a lot of people don't know. I was in the studio with Nas when he made most of those records. When he recorded most of those records, it was me, him, and Premier in the studio. So all the records that Premier yeah. produced on Nas' album. It was me, Premier Nas, in the studio. Premier would come pick me up from my project. We would go get Nas from his projects. We would go up to D and D, and I would stay in the studio with them all night till the, the morning. So, so you're saying Primo was also an Uber driver and producer? For me, <laughs> yeah, for me and Nas, he would come get us, and we would hang out. Nas would write rhymes. I roll blunts. Sit, listen to everything going on. Primo would be over there on the drum machine. So. Any crazy stories during that Illmatic session? I mean, every just being there is a crazy story. Well, that's that. That's why I'm asking. The fact that Jay was the damage and Nas and Premier is in the studio together almost every day for a month is a crazy story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Before we get to '94, take us to '92 because um, you know I'm sure a lot of the listeners want to know how you even came to rock with with gangstar you know 92 well, i've been i was hanging out with gangstar since the 80s you got to go before 92 correct the first time you we heard you on wax would be 92 i mean so I, right i was yeah. when you i was hanging out two three years before that before i even got my chance to rhyme i was waiting i was waiting for my chance to rhyme for like two three years you know we'd be going to studio sessions i'd be having rhymes ready uh-huh. and um but it wasn't it wasn't my turn, you know what I'm saying? And but when it finally got my turn in '92, I just went in. Now, how did you guys even come like in connection with one another? Is it just from a Brooklyn kind of a thing? I mean, I knew my homeboy Shad, and um, the the way Guru got introduced to East New York in general was through my homeboy Shad, who I went to high school with. He um. His cousin, uh, Smitty, was down with Guru. They was like one of the, they was rocking with Guru on the Gangstar tip because you got to remember, Premier came after. Guru came to New York City first. Yep. Right. The way that Premier came into the picture is because my man Tommy Hill and my man Gusmo was up at Wild Pitch and they were going through a box of, because uh, DJs used to send in not DJs, MCs used to send in demos to Wild Pitch. And they would listen to the demo so that they could, if the demo was whack, they would take the tape and record over it. Mr. Magic and Molly Mall and Red Alert and all of those dudes like that. And uh, my man Gusmo and Tommy Hill and my man Dap and them, they, little Dap, they heard, they heard Premier. Mm-hmm scratching on on the record with the DJ. They was like, yo, I mean, MC, they was like, the MC is whack, but get the DJ. There was this DJ, his name was Mikey, and he knew he had the talent that was best, so he decided to find an MC, one that would impress. And yo, an MC, my name is Keithy. We write the rhymes that you know are so correct. And when you see me go chillin' at the party, I'm playing big respect. There is a beatbox, he's demo disky. He has a style, you will say his word. And when we see us, we all are known as gangster. And yo, we must be heard. And so, and that's what happened. Stu <laughs> got Premier, he 
Premier drove up to New York a couple of days later, and the rest is history as far as that's concerned. So I, I know Guru through my man Tommy Hill, Gus Mo, and Little Dap. Little Dap and, and Gus and Tommy was hanging out with Guru in like 87, 88. Oh. And then and, and when, when did the Manifest video come out? 89? I thought it was at tail end 88, early 89, yeah. That's when I started hanging out after the Manifest video. I'm actually in the Manifest video. That's when I started hanging out with those dudes. So we was hanging out since around 89. So three years later, they tapped you, no pun intended, for I'm the man. And uh, Right. I mean, we was, that was three years of, of hanging out every day. Yeah. So I started hanging out with them every day for a minute. And... um. And it wasn't really every day because I was hanging out. I was really hanging out more with the, um, it used to be me, True Master, the Jizza. Before he was the Jizza, this is before Wu-Tang. Hmm. Um, my man, Afu, my man, Sid, we used to all hang out in the East. And I used to hang out with, with gang stars sporadically. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, I started hanging out more and more, and we just got, we started getting closer and closer because more, I was more into, like, I was I was still from the East, you know what I'm saying? I was, like, still digging pockets and running the streets, you know what <laughs> I mean? Didn't you work with Master Killer back in the day? Like Master Killer, back in the days. And we at McDonald's young, or something? Real young, like, McDonald's on Atlantic yeah, yeah, yeah. Avenue. How was it working with him? Both of you guys kind of wanted to get in the industry working at McDonald's. He wasn't, Master Killer wasn't an MC at first. He wasn't thinking about nothing like that. Right. When we, he was 16, Master Killer became an MC later. Master Killer became an MC as far as his aspirations. I don't know what his aspirations was, but I never knew him to rhyme. He started rhyming more later after that. Before that, he was just, my man, you know what I'm saying? Like he used to be around when we was all rhyming, but he started rhyming like after the Wu-Tang because we used to be having ciphers on the corner. He never really spit. He always observed. So he was a, always an MC. So when I shouldn't say he wasn't an MC, he was always an MC, but he never revealed his MC skills or abilities or anything that came like after with Wu-Tang, that's when I, I saw that, like, oh, word. So before we get into this album, in 93, you guys dropped Come Clean. At what point mm -hmm. after the, the buzz, say, from, from I'm the Man, did you guys record Come Clean for your, you know, your upcoming? Well, this is the thing. We was, we was recording, me and Guru was recording before I'm the Man. That's the thing. You guys know me from getting on I'm the Man, but me and Google already had demos years before when Google was doing the beat called the Dirty Grind Demo. So I've been, we was recording in Firehouse. Me, Google, that. So Come Clean came after Dirty Grind Demo. Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. That's what I'm called on the street. Canavin cheap, rarely get beat. You see, I'm streetwise. A con game pro, kicking the Barbie bullshit to smart for Willie Bobo. Not stressing Favo, hot hand and CeeLo. Live in the land of crooks, yes, Brooklyn's the borough. Homicide Central, East New York, where the manic, depressive psycho murderer store. We went on tour, and we was on tour out here in Europe. Uh, Premier used to cut up Onyx every day. 
a sound check. Uh oh, heads up, cause we dropping some shit. Uh oh, heads up, cause we dropping some shit. So I was like, yo, when we get back, we should do a record and we should make that the hook. Hmm. And he was like, bet. So once we came off tour, he came to me with the drum track, like, yo, I got the drum track for that record. So come to my crib later and we'll figure out, you know, put some music to it. So I was like, bet. And uh, we went, we listened to a few records and then boom, we heard that one record before it used to be a secret, but now it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a culture of snitching and everybody just <laughs> tells everything. Hmm. So everybody <laughs> knows that the record is a Shelly Mann record. Infinity, great, great sample. Yeah, but see, that's like, that's what you just did right there. That was considered <laughs> snitching when I grew up. Uh, well, it only because only cause it's out. We call that beefing for rap. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the time, you ain't know what that was. That was a secret. I'm a digger. I get it. I'm a digger. <laughs> I'm well, funny they, like that, you know? Nowadays, they have these websites, but, uh, like, like, who sampled, and it gives you right, a list. Right, that's what I'm saying. You, it gives you, you a list who, of everything. You go to who sampled, you find every record. Yeah, it's not, it's not, you know. The, the game's different. It's, 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 it's not only the game is different, is that people have not passed the stage because we have a stage in our life and it's the stage of infinite wisdom when you think you know everything. I passed through that stage in my life already. <clears throat> Some people still in that stage where they feel like they have to reveal everything that they know. But, you know, that right there is a way to become uh, destroyed by your enemies. Perception is the art of war. Uh, but Dre, anyway, Dre, go, you go. Know, I got to drop some jewels <laughs> yeah, you when, know. We, when we doing this. Dre's gonna go on mute. <laughs> no, my problem is, is nah, that, Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you, man. You don't got to justify it. I'm only fucking with you. I used to tear the labels off my records back in the day, but that was back then. I of mean, course you did. Listen, if you a DJ, that's why I said we in a different culture now. Nowadays, you know, you come from the, what I call the poker generation, and and what that is is that you hold your cards close to your chest, right? You peek at them. You don't, you don't say, oh, look, these are my cards, you know what I'm saying? Because, but nowadays it's different. So, and, and, and we doing an interview. We talking about, like, if it was back in the days, we would have right. never said what the record was. Right? Exactly. Yeah, so you and, know we, what the record and we try to bring this in like family. But put it this way. Nobody didn't know what that record was until we played it, though. It's true. How about that? 100%. Now, now they like, oh, that record is, but they didn't know what that was. Jay, this is the crazy thing. Sometimes records have a perfect sample, and like that one is. And here's the here's the thing: no one can ever sample that record because it's so prominently known as Jay Roo's "Come Clean," and that's what's great. Right. If you've got that, you've made it. If you have one, right, you've made it. You have a few on this record, right? So yeah, we heard that record, and we just looked at each other, and Prem was like, "You want me to loop it like this?" He played it one way. He was like, "Well, you want me to loop it like that?" I said, loop it like that. He did that. He put it on the cassette. I took the cassette. I jumped in my man. Shout out to my man, Mike Rohn. We, we jumped in his truck. And that's when I thought of the first line. Dropped me off at the crib. I wrote the rest. And now what happened after that was we put Come Clean on the demo tape with the other songs that we had been doing. You know, we, we shop it around. We go, I'm walking my feet off to every record label in the world and they like eh, we don't hear it nothing there damn bye 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 uh don't quit your day job wow. <laughs> shit like that right <laughs> so um 
I remember feeling away. Because back in the days, it was one of the record label dudes. He was a Chinese dude. <clears throat> oh, shit. A Chinese motherfucker don't even like my shit. Damn. <laughs> like, it's got to be horrible, you know? Like, so we was just like, after all of that, we was in getting you no know, bites for about, let's say, a, a month. Yeah. We was impatient. And we didn't have time for so Google was like, you know what? I'm going to just put it out myself. That's just, we just going to put it out ourselves. We're going to start Ill Kids Records and we're going to make that happen. And that's the first time the world ever heard of the Gangstar Foundation because, you know, it was the Gangstar Foundation sampler. Like, so now there's a lot of misconceptions about what Gangstar Foundation is. A lot of people think that a whole bunch of people are Gangstar Foundation, but that's not true. Gangstar Foundation is just me, Suge, and Group Home. And the way even Gangstar Foundation came about is because we was on tour. The first tour that we ever went on, well, me personally, when I, in 92, was with EPMD. And they had all their crews. They had the Hit Squad. They had, um, you know, all of their little crews. So when we got back on tour, we was like, yo, we need a name. We, we me, permit, but it wasn't even me. It was me, Guru, Dat. And, and sure, we was all downstairs in the crib, and we was like, yo, we need a name. Everybody got different kind of crews. This crew, that crew, we don't got no name for our crew. And uh, I was like, yo, well, since Gangstar is the foundation of everything that we're doing, let's call it the Gangstar Foundation. Mm-hmm. And Suge was like, word, that's dope. Google was like, yo, that's dope. That was like, I'm with it. That was over there playing the drums. So we went upstairs and we told Preem, yo, from now on, we the Gangstar Foundation. Mm. And Preem was like, dope. And, and that's how that started. So it's like Sugar tell you, everybody else is, is an affiliate. When it comes to Gangstar Foundation, yeah. that's the foundation. The foundation can't be a lot of people. It can only be the foundation, the founders yeah. of the, 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 the core in the group. And so, like I said, everybody else, they not Gangstar Foundation. They Gangstar Foundation affiliates. Affiliates. And that came yeah. up, obviously, with the, the release of uh, one of the best yet, that album, where some people weren't on it, and, and they claimed Gangstar Foundation. But before we go there, because you have some great stories, and I can already tell. Yeah. Let's go to 94, man. We're, we're in D&D okay. Studios. Magic was created every session there, right? D&D Studios is an iconic no longer here, studio. Um, I believe Eddie Sancho and... Well, shout out to Dave and Doug. Dave and Doug. Uh-huh. Uh, Eddie, uh, Sancho, Cotty. These are the guys, the engineers there. Um, Eddie, Joe Quindy. You had legendary this, dudes. Legendary dude. You had a legendary photographer, right? Before his time, right? Now, now he's a, a household name, but Danny Hastings had some of the best artwork on any... Forget hip-hop, just in music in general. The album covers sold themselves, and and yours was an iconic right. one over you know the World Trade Center. Ironically, it was it was before all that right. happened, but um. So everything going on in '94 was magical, especially at D and D. So let's get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll skip the intro. I believe your. I album mean, the was- Fat Boys recorded at D and D. Like D and D is a crazy studio. Yo, hook my mic up, please. Make Kurt, make the bass come out so clear. clear, clear, clear please. It's, no. Like I said, it's where magic happened. You, your album was, I think, a little bit shy of 40 minutes, something like that, 38, 39 minutes. 
Um, no, I think it was 45 minutes, right? For, uh, I'm, I don't want to call you wrong. I think, I think, I think you're think right. The, it's just under 40 minutes, yeah. I think it's closer to like the 40-minute mark. But it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I mean, that's, I'm saying what I'm saying is, yeah, I'm saying I guess I never really, I never really looked at the minutes. Well, you know what I'm saying? The, the point is less is more where people were just stuffing their albums with 16 tracks. You came in, right. I think you had like 10 tracks, maybe a few yeah, interlude and like intro, 10, 12 tracks. And it was perfect. And, and that, and that, uh, formula, like, like it was for Illmatic is what makes albums so great. That's, that's why the Beatles albums were so great because you didn't get overwhelmed with all this material. By the time it's over, you like, damn, it's over. Exactly. And you want to listen to it again. You know, it's not like a song album with 20, 30 songs. By the time you get to the end of it, you like, God damn, this is a long ass. It feel like, you know, work. But that's why this record we selected because the, the playability the replay value, that's what makes it so damn good. And that's why we're actually showcasing it tonight. So let's get this shit started. Jay, let's 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 make it happen. So let's they, go in then. Let's go in. The second track, we'll skip the intro. The second track was the moment you heard the beat, you knew that was it. It's the original. And I gotta think, after you just did come clean, which like I said, most people don't even have that in their catalog. You come back with the original. And mm-hmm. to me, that not only set the tone, but it said, okay, J. Rue is not like this one-hit guy. He's not this guy who pops up on a guest first. Like, J. Rue is making a name for himself, and, like, this is the official start-off of the album. Dirty like a scam, bro. That's what I'm called on the street. Could, could not been cheap, but really it be. You see, I'm streetwise. A con game bro, kicking the Barbie bullshit, too small for Willie Bobo. Not stressing Favo, hot hand and CeeLo, live in the land of crooks, yes, Brooklyn's the borough. Homicide Central, East New York, with a manic, depressive psycho murderer, storm walk like a ninja on the asphalt. Hip talk is cheap, you outline in chalk. And there's more hard times than on good times, and most niggas dedicate their life to crime. So I'm steady scheming, won't work for a dime, used to get tax free loot all the time. The real- I made that because it was another group uh, that came out of R&B group called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Gangsterine. At the time, right. And um, and what happened was I was somewhere, but you know, I was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. You know what I'm saying? So I was somewhere and one of the record buyers from one of the record stores was like, yo, we sold a shitload of records. We bought a, a shit ton of records from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels because we thought it was your joint. And it was some old R&B bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, I was like, what? So me, Google, we was on top and we listened to it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is garbage. <laughs> and um, I was like, I'm the original Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And um, in that record, I'm telling you why I'm the Dirty Rotten Scam. Dirty Rotten Scam through is what I'm called on the street. Could could not been cheap, but rarely get beat. See, I'm streetwise. Because I was, I was giving my credentials of why I'm the original Dirty Rotten Scoundrel and, and y'all some fake made up R&B thing. Or what, I don't know what, how real they are or not, like I said. Yeah. 
Jay, here was the one rhyme that just stuck with me, and man, I, I fucking melted, dude, because it was just it, it just spoke in such strong words. Because of the skin I'm in, automatically makes me a felon. First of all, no one was popping melanin. You were like doing your homework on the SAT fucking uh, big words. You were using thesauruses. I'm telling you, man, when I heard that shit, I just knew you were you were that guy. I was reading on a 12th grade level when I was in the third grade. I could tell. I was on. The, I was in. The, I was in the uh, 99th percentile in the, the, all of the statewide tests and all of that when it came to like uh, mathematics, like reading and comprehension, and all that type stuff. And as far as the 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 speaking about melanin, a couple summers before that, when I was hanging out with the Jizza and and True Master and Master Killer, we used to sell books. So, like, if you ever in New York City and you go to uh, Avenue of America in front of Urban Outfitters in the village, they got, like, a guys out there with a bunch of books. Yeah. That was our book stand. Nobody had books there. We put the first books there. So we used to be there every weekend with our books, and we were selling books on, you know, the African origin, the biological psychiatry, and they came before Columbus and all that type of stuff. And that's what was kind of moving me more into being more about knowledge as far as trying to teach people things and, and having, and, you know, having that type of message in my music, because, you know, I grew up a little different. Like my dad is, is one of the founding members of the first Naya Bingy Rock Far Out organization in New York City, known as the original I. So I always grew up in, in some type of consciousness I grew up, I went to church when I was a kid, so I was always about learning and, and, and some type of moral responsibility, even though when you're in the hood, you know, all that's out the window. It's either eat or be eaten, you know? So, and that's, that was what my whole style was about. My whole style was about combining the two things, the reality of where we at, but what we need to be doing, the ideal of, you know, what it should be and, and how it should be and the pressure that we face. Like, you know, you look at all the things that we see today that's going on in the news and all that. I spoke about all of this yeah. 25 years ago, 25 years ago. I was, I was actually just going to say, you know, that's why your albums and your material always resonated with me was because you just, you could tell you spoke from the heart and, and your message was, was very positive, but very like, Hey, you better get to work because it's not just going to happen. Yeah, it's going like, to take I'm, work. I'm, I'm conscious, but I'll still punch you in the face. Yeah. Right, right. Like, <laughs> if we, we got to get ignorant, it's warrior scholar. Right, right. That's, right. What, that's what the ancient martial arts masters would call a warrior scholar. Right? That's what you had to be. You, you, were, you were a scholar, but they say that if you were a poet and a, sword, a swordsman approaches you, you don't write poetry. You draw your sword. You know what I'm saying? And King Solomon says, it's a time and place for everything under the sun. So it's a time, like, I'm going to be very knowledgeable and, and speak about the upliftment. And mm-hmm. I don't want to do black on black crime, as they call it, right, as it's been deemed or violent. But if it has to go there, I'm going to defend myself by any means and all means necessary. I don't know where to go from there. I mean, that was pretty... Uh, I'm from East New York. I'm yeah. Pretty, you know what I'm saying? No, like, no. It's hey, look, the crack era. <laughs> look, like I said before, when you came in on the man, like you, you said, 
I could drop knowledge, but I can also tap your jaw if I need to. Like that's pretty right. much, you know, so it, it leads me to this, this joint. Cause it's so hard. When you heard the beat, did you just rhyme to the beat or you had the song already and maybe primo? I, I never had a, and all right, here's another misconception about the process, but me and Premier, a lot of times it wasn't no just hearing the beat. We would be in the studio together. Together. He's making the beat. And then, then everything happens from there. I never, I never had a bunch of rhymes already written. And it was maybe when we made that album out of all of the records, it was only like two occasions. I, I don't, can't even remember occasion when he just came with me and said, here's the beat. That's, that's not how it happened. It happened where we were sitting down together. He organically. Asked me, Do you like this sound? Do you like that sound? He's like, Ooh, I heard these dope ass drums. Check this out. Yeah. And then we would listen to samples together and be like, Oh, oh yeah, I like that. And that's that's where that synergy came from. Sure. That's why if you listen to the the Sunrise in the East, because that was my moment, but that was for Premier, that was the album that really defined his sound because it was a different type of sound. It was different than if you listen to the, all of records before that, what we did with Sunrise in the East was totally different from, from everything else because at that time, the beats were crafted around your personality. He wasn't DJ Premier with mad beats. Yeah. Every time we would do it, even when we did I'm the Man. When we did I'm the Man, we went up, I went up to his room and he started playing things. And then he played that doom, 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 doom. We was like, oh, yo, word. He's like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw some drums on that. And, and then, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna come later, like that. And that's, that's how it will all go down. It will always go down. He will always play you stuff before he even did things to it. He would play, be like, yo, listen to this. You know? I know that people like to, to, to the, the myth that, you know, Premier, he comes, he gives you a beat, and then it just makes you the greatest MC in the world. Like, oh, you've been blessed, but nah, but that's not how it was. It was, it was a combined effort with your taste and, and his ability to craft something around your taste. And that's what, that's what made Premier so great. It wasn't oh. him just saying, oh, this is my style, here's the beat. It might be like that 20 years later because people have come to say, oh, this is a premier style beat. Or this is a, a premier. But you got to remember, we come from an era when it was about infinite style. It was about, it was about your kung fu. Like, you had to come different. You had to every time. That's why every track on the album is different. Every track on the album got different drum pattern different drum sound it wasn't it wasn't premier yet but it's it's a lifetime of sweat to make it what it is you know we can all look back now and say oh yeah yeah definitely a premier style of sound but back then it was a lifetime that built up to all of that that perfection right. the, the the records he collected the influences he got from those records whether it was from his parents or whatnot and he spoke right. about that on our show so i mean like that is what is it, that record just was so amazing, man. It just brought everyone to that next level of hip-hop. I love that. That's why we're doing it. And and I think your record especially was what I would consider the beginning of the DJ Premier 
prime years. I think he had a run yeah. be- better than any other producer in hip hop from 94, 95. That was it. Some that- guys in the East did a lot. Not just for me. It was for Premier as well. Like I said, that was the record that defined him. Where they said he had did Illmatic, but it was different when we did our record because our mission was to crush everything. That was an inside crew record. So it was like, we have to create the most masterpiece of all masterpieces. Like, <laughs> it's got to be different. It's got to be. And you know me, if you know anything about me, I love to be different. I, to this day, I, I never want to do what anybody else is doing. I still consider that biting. You know what I'm saying? Like, so... I grew up in that time when you want to be unique. I grew up in a time like this. Somebody came to school with something on Monday. If you came with it on Tuesday or Wednesday, you was a biter. That's it. <laughs> you wasn't the first one. And I take that shit off. It's true. That's how that was. That's so, why dudes would hide their records and all that. Because if you played that, you was a biter. You know what I'm saying? Dudes was getting ready to fight over certain things. But I could go into so much stuff, but let's go into the Let, next record. So let's we'll do this. We'll be here all night, and <laughs> I got to eat some dinner. Yeah, no, you, you're in that competitive mode. Let's let's talk Brooklyn Took It real quick. It was a nice follow-up to really starting off the album. And like you said, every track is different. It has a different drum. I don't know. Brooklyn Took It. It's about that. Here's the rim D for all your cornball raps. Brooklyn's back on the map. I'm not bragging. Defeating all foes. Bring your styles to stomp out the last dragon grand groove. Like back in the days, holding my own on the street and the microphone. You can't rip it, I grip it and flip it. Trip it down memory lane, back to the park jams. We used to spark jams. Now niggas get jammed on shit. I say jelly. My vocals rip through your pele pele. You can't see me, so you can't hit me. You ace do straight. I four, five, six, and trips. Drums numb your ears. Rhymes swell up your lips. Brooklyn, Brooklyn took it. It was the drum pattern. Um... And it was, it, was, it was everything. That was, that was my challenge record to everybody else. That letting you know that I read Brooklyn from day one. That was actually Biggie's favorite record. One of Biggie's favorite records. He's like, yo. You used to always tell Preen, he told me like, yo, J-Roo, when if you ever do a video, I just want to stand there like this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's so hard. Because Brooklyn took it was a hard record. Let me ask you, though, was this kind of like an ode to KRS's little, you know, lyric? We got the lyric from KRS-One. Yeah, of course. You know, the bridge is over, but nah, it was just about Brooklyn. It was about Brooklyn. It was the perfect perfect thing, because, look, like I said, you know, you hear a lot of people say they're from Brooklyn or they're from here. But you never really hear them talk about their neighborhood. You, if you ever hear anybody just generally say, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, and they never once talk about their actual neighborhood, they was probably quiet and in the house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They wasn't really doing it. I was doing it. The street knew me. So that was my, that was my record saying, Brooklyn is here Fuck everybody else and everything else. Brooklyn, because Brooklyn take, cause Brooklyn is known for taking shit. Brooklyn is known for, look, even they got a saying, is Brooklyn in the house? You, you, why is that? Because Brooklyn is everywhere. Brooklyn, we go, we, we fearless. 
You know what I'm saying? As fearless as you can be, because everybody has some degree of fear, but we, we going to go there. We gonna, and we taking it. When you go up to the clubs, when you went up to the Latin quarters or, or any of those clubs, when the violence and the wildness broke out and dudes was getting robbed, who was doing it? Roy Ayers knew. Look, come on. <laughs> Roy Ayers knew. And that's, and that's, a, that's, a, that's another story. Roy Ayers, Donald Byrd, uh, when, when Guru did the uh, Jasmine tag. The the first the first so me and Donald Bird talking about he's like man Jay Rue tell them they don't know about Ocean Hill Brownsville I used to teach over there you know that that was a great experience too you know hanging out with all those old cats like I said Roy is um, all so many dudes have made records old to Brooklyn because Brooklyn is a planet it's not like that's why they made the record the planet because Brooklyn is a different place so Brooklyn took it was my challenge record you know like here's the rim of D to all your comp ball raps. Brooklyn's back on the map. I'm not bragging because you got to remember, it was a lot of different boroughs that was coming out with, with, with records, right? But that was Brooklyn a big had thing. some of the biggest records first. Yep. Right? Who was, who was some of the biggest dudes in hip-hop? Houdini. Yeah. The Fat Boy. Stetsasonic. Talking my language. Houdini and them was bigger than Run DMC. At the time. They might have been some of the first platinum rappers, multi-platinum. After Curtis, they for sure. They were from Brooklyn. The Fat Boys, they had movies. They were so, yeah. so that's why I said, so, so, that's, so that was my challenge to all the other, every other borough. Here's the <laughs> remedy for you. Brooklyn's back on the map. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we, we here. If it's gone, Brooklyn took it. <laughs> no doubt. You know? Your next song was a challenge to people's intelligence because I don't think there was a song at the time that was as, I don't want to say complex, but ahead of its time, like mental stamina. Mm -hmm. The beat itself seemed like something that you wouldn't hear until 10 years later. You and Afu, which is, I think, the debut of Afu, you guys right. go, you guys I go, I taught him how to rhyme. Line for line. This song was basically making people feel stupid. Like you were using. Like Dre alluded, you, 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 you know, you, you have these big 50 cent words because you're educated. I don't know if any of the books on the corner of Fulton Street could educate the average rapper the way you did on Mental STEM. Pugilistic linguistics, check out the mystics, we're fantastic. You mean fantastic. Fuck it, you'll get your ass kicked. Challenge my verbal gymnastics. An acrobatic vocabulary calisthenics. Can understand the mathematics are esoteric. Watch the style, but also peep the lyrics. My lightning, my thunder, way back I stomped out Eric Belize. But now I stomp out MCs, can't chill. Because the sun don't freeze. Heavy metal, hard like titanium. Alchemists, I turn wax into platinum. I mean, I wasn't really saying that many big words. Pugilistic, linguistic. You don't heard that really. shit. Come on. Come on, dude. Like, if you, if you was a boxing fan, you knew about pugilism. They yeah. the, 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 which was my, this is Howard Cosell. <laughs> Howard Cosell would use that pugilism all the time. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's the part of the culture that you were taken from. That's what you were taken from. How you grew up, the, the little sound bites and shit from those little ABC news clips. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You right, were they like, what a, what a great display of pugilism tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. And then, and then, and then, and then, then with the Kung Fu movies, I was in the Kung Fu. And that was one of the styles, right? The iron skin, the toads and all that. They performed pugilism where you could break weapons on, on dudes. So, so that's where I got that from. Pugilistic linguistics. 
check out the mystics we're fantastic you mean fantastic and back and forth you know i'm a fan of old school hip-hop and all of that so we was like yo we gonna do a record like that where we 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 flip it up you know what i'm saying and yeah i mean i just i just think it was natural i mean i was a good mc back then i'm i'm so much better now you know what i'm saying but i was pretty good for being at a young age and and you know, I've always, I always just like to create and tell stories, and that's what it is. I'm just a, a, a storyteller. But take us into the session during that recording of that record. So here's the thing, you know, again, it's I don't want to go into the sample of Roy Ayers, but it is what it is. But if you really listen to that record, <laughs> but he just does no. But if you really listen to that record and that sample, it really is a jazz smooth actual sample i want to know did you guys talk about hey let's just chop it into that little small bit we wasn't talking about truncating and all of that right motherfuckers is listening to the shit they like yo that shit sounds dope like yo check this shit out like oh that's crazy (laughs) yo i'm gonna say this we wasn't we wasn't we wasn't into all of the the technical aspects of shit like back then it wasn't think, you we just start learning about that shit. But it was raw. It was raw. It, all that was is make music. That's all it is. Make music. Create. Be creative. And murder these motherfuckers. That's yeah. it. That's all we was trying to do was just murder motherfuckers. I'll tell you what that song does for me is it's so such high energy with you and Afu Ra. It's such a tight package song. There's no hook really. It's just the two of you going at it for what, like two minutes and 40 seconds. And it's funny because you talked about Nas earlier, obviously working with premier doing your uh, album at the same time in the same studio with, with, with Nas and the whole Afu Ra feature on your album is the only feature on your album. Just like AZ was the only feature on Nas's Illmatic and it was a premiere for both of these guys. So I just figured, like, the, the, the correlation of all that is interesting. And, uh, and I think that also speaks volumes to such an impact that this album has is because you held it 99.9% of the time on your own two feet. No pun intended. Because you didn't really have too many guest features on the album unless the person was in your crew. Right. Like, if, if you look at all of the features that happened at that time on any record, it was because that person was in that person's crew. Mm. It was after when it started getting into have other dudes join in. It was one or two records, where, but mostly it was people who was just in your crew because at that time, it was a competition still. It's not like today's Kumbaya rap. <laughs> where everybody, hey, we all True. love each other. Let's <laughs> hug and rap together. Yeah. It was my crew against your crew. Even if we homies, even if we smoke weed together and hang out and get drunk and, and we hang out, unless we hanging like hard, then it, that ain't what it is. If we hanging sporadically like, yeah, I see you then we kick it and you my man, you good. But once you became in a group, then it was like, all right, yo, jump on my joint. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Other than that, it was an eye food. Like I said, I taught him to rhyme. He didn't, he didn't rhyme at first either. I mm-hmm. taught him. I helped him write his first rhyme, and he, even 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 that when we first did that, he was a little bit offbeat. You know what I'm saying? Like Cream was like, "You sure?" I'm like, "Son, it's gonna be good." Cream was like, "You sure?" I'm like, "Son, it's gonna be good. Don't worry." 
you know. Well, speaking of don't worry and it's going to be good, the next joint was a little bit of the opposite, I feel, because despite clarifying it in your, your hook, the bitches seem to catch a little attention from females, especially Miss Lauren Hill. From bitches. Because mm. cause, cause my name is J. Rue. If somebody say John's a dick, I don't look. You know what I'm saying? It don't, it don't bother me. I said I'm not talking about the queens. I'm not talking about I'm the not sisters. I'm not talking about the queens, but what? the bitches, not the sisters, but what? the bitches, not the young ladies, but what? the bitches, the bitches, the bitches. Now a queen's a queen, and a stunt is a stunt You can tell who's who by the things they want Most chicks want minks, diamonds, a bins Spin up all your ends, probably fuck your friends High post attitudes, real rude with fat asses Think that the pussy is made out of gold Try to control you by sliding up and down on the wood They be giving up sex for goods I'm talking about the bitches because I've had an experience, a personal experience Where we was hanging out in the club or whatever Girls kicking it and they and you know it was it was all about trying to get some bread, and I thought that, that was corny. And I told I told my man Gordon, and this was years before. I think I was Gordon. I said, I said, son, once I get on, I'm gonna make a record this in these bitches. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm a, I'm a man of my word. <laughs> like I said, you clarified it in the hook, so it's it's kind of like it is what it is, but it still caught a little attention, and and I I. <laughs> I would love People for you love to, controversy. I mean, it, it's harsh. It, it, it is, but it, I mean, look, it was a great record. Let, I mean, but I wasn't, and, and that was just the hook in the record. I wasn't like, fuck these nasty holes and nothing derogatory. It wasn't even nothing derogatory about the record, except for the word bitches in the hook. You know what it is? It, I think because your content prior was nothing like this. So people yeah. didn't view you as Luke Skywalker where like Luke Campbell could make a record, the bitches and it'd be championed. <laughs> Whereas this guy who's extremely thought provoking and you know, you get down with whatever you made a song blatantly See, about a, to some people, to intellectuals, they would want to think that it's low brass. And it's very intelligent, though. It's it's very the opposite. You know what I'm saying? Because it's showing it's showing me how you think. Because you hear the word bitch, but I said I'm not talking about the queens or the young ladies. You just hear the bitches. Mm-hmm. That's all you hear. And it's like it's like those Lumosity games where they say if grape is next to orange, then peach needs to be in spot one. Only if it's to the left of pear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. You got to put it in the right place. You got to remember, J. Root. Now, listen, I lived in New York at the time, so I used to get public access. And I still remember that Crazy Sam public access show where you went up against Lauren Hill. You were in such a, you were like a lion, bro. You were aggressive. I was, I mean, I was a young man. Not towards her. You had this energy about you. You were, you had strength. And, and Sam kind of turned the mic over to you, and, and, and she was like a lamb. She didn't even know where to go. She no, she wasn't. Actually, she wasn't like a lamb. She was like a lioness. She held her ground. <laughs> and, and, and I respect her for she that. Didn't, and she didn't back down. She held her ground. But it's just, this is the thing. You know, I call that the uh, arrogance of ignorance. That's, that's, that's when you're in the, the stage of infinite wisdom. 
sure. where you think you know everything. And because she was actually saying a lot of stuff, but yes, I was very aggressive. Yeah. Because I just, you got to remember, I just came out of aggression. I'm from East New York. I'm, I'm from the crack era where literally murdering and, and I'm hanging out with murderers and, 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 and this is the daily living. It wasn't no, it wasn't no, and the police was beating us because that's the whole thing was about. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing started out about the police. You had a point to get across, and I get that. And you got to remember, see, when people watch that, they forget this is the pre-Obama era. This is the Eustace Hawkins era. This is the, this is the thing that people forget about. They forget how bad it was for us. It was, it wasn't. It wasn't really cool to be black. Being black just started to get cool. See, now it's cool to be black. Back then, where we grew up, it was the Italians against us and all types of other stuff. So, so now, now the cops, they Irish, they Italian, they this, they coming into those neighborhoods, they treating you bad. So that's what it was about. It turned into that. So now today, when we see the internet, we see those little sound bites. Because, of course, that's what people want to show, right? They want to show the aggressive black man against the woman, but they're not showing the whole thing. And, and, and all I was saying, and my point was this, when they saw the bitches, they probably was like, oh, my God, the bitches. But then again, it wasn't, it wasn't like that either. You know why? Because we wasn't from such a soft time. See, nowadays, everything is very soft, Right? Everything you can't you can't say things. People get offended. Oh my God, you can't say that. I watch I watch some of those old school joints like the Twilight Zone. Some of the shit they do, they straight smack holes. God, you know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you be like, holy shit! Like did he do that? When you're slapped, you'll take it and like it. You know what I'm True. saying? Like, imagine somebody did that on TV now. They're like, I'm telling you, I, every time I watch one of those old school movies, and I said holes right now because I'm joking, yeah. but 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 I watched one of those old school movies from like like the 60s or something. Yo, they would lay hands on a woman like it wasn't nothing. She'd be getting, wow, what are you talking? <gasps> and she, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? You can't do that today. Now you can't even call a person a, a woman or a man you know what i'm saying like they say that's offensive <laughs> yeah so it's, it's a different ever but yeah so that's why so the bitches it was i got a little flack from it but it wasn't too deep i don't nobody really came at me crazy amazing song amazing sample drove the record and, and the way that you rhyme patterned on top of the sound the sonics it was that song, I'm sorry. It was just uh, hearing it for the first time. Amazing. Do you want to tell everybody the sample? I, I mean, look, of I can definitely say it's Whispering Pines, but I'm not going to go into of it. Of course he does. You know, but the first time I heard it on Stretch, I flipped the fuck out because he, he had it first before anybody. And, and, and I tell you, you know, that's the thing, what I was saying. Like some people, everybody has a different process. Me, that's why I was never really a huge fan of remixes, and I'll tell you why, for me, for my record. The beat that I heard is what made me write the rhyme in that way. I get it. It's what I formed in my pattern after. That's why, if you notice, I don't really have a pattern. I don't have, I don't, some people have a, a rhyme pattern. I don't have a rhyme pattern. I rhyme to whatever the beat is. 
You know, like I said, I never came to the studio with rhymes written. None of that. I always sat down. Once I hear it, it gives me an idea. Oh, this makes me want to say this, or this makes me want to say that, or ooh, I'm gonna put my words here. You know. You mentioned remix, which is ironic. Your next song was your first remix. Can't stop the profit with, mm-hmm. with Pete Rock. So let's get mm-hmm. into that and and kind of briefly touch on the remix as well because it's. I think it goes down. If not, I only had two remixes in in, in, in my whole. Me and the Papes and, and and you can't stop the profit, right? And, and you got and and think about it, me and the Papes. It's a whole new rhyme, whole new song, a whole new song. And you can't right. stop. It's called the remix because it, it, we went. I'm like, I can't do that to myself. <laughs> well, this particular you remix, can't stop the profit. It, it, it's, um, it, it's a, one of the best Pete Rock remixes of all time with, with uh, you know, Public Enemies, uh, Shut Them Down. Let's talk about the remix right. and then the original because the remix took a lot of people by surprise because you, everyone looked at you as this guy who worked exclusively with Premier and then all of a sudden we have a remix with Pete Rock who delivered, like I said, one of the best remixes of all time. And I'm going to be honest, at first I wasn't a fan of it. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Really? At first I wasn't a fan of it. I was like, because it wasn't the original emotion that I felt. If I would have got that first, I would have never wrote that rhyme. Mm-hmm. Wow. Curious. I would have never wrote that rhyme. Because like I said, it's not like I just had rhymes and I just put them on random beats. Every rhyme was to the beat. I'm not saying it because a dope record. It's, like I said, it's dope. But when I first heard it, I was like, it had to grow on me. Because it's like when you create something and then somebody else puts their spin of th- their vision on what you're doing, it's kind of like, mm, I'm, I'm an artist, you know, deep at heart. And like I said, if I had that beat, dum, 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 I would have wrote something else. Because that was the... the that made me write that. That's what made me make the song because I'm like, yo, this sounds like superhero theme music. With that, the whole superhero approach you took with that song, did Pete Rock approach you because he's apparently like a diehard superhero Marvel guy? Like, was that talked about when y'all were working on the remix? And well, what happened that that came through that came through the record company, really. Okay, you know what I'm saying. I like Pete. I like his stuff. I love uh, CL Smooth and Pete Rock. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like all of their records, Mecca and the Soul Brother and all, just all of their, their records. I mean, Pete's dope. So I'm like, yo, that's why I agreed to do it. Cause I thought Pete was dope. Like I said, when I first heard it, 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 it took me back, but I listened to it a couple of times and like, yo, it's dope. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. You say that though, where if that was the original beat that you were presented with, that song never would have come about so it's it's right. funny it's funny how you you know how things work out like that and then the remix is probably favored i would say throughout the hip-hop community would you say over the album version i'm not gonna say that yeah <laughs> no i'm at a jay Dre, I think, what, I, what do y'all think you know what it is i think because when you heard the remix you probably had heard the original 150 times prior true so it was something refreshing it was like wow a different take I- and but when I say, but this is what I'm going to say. When I, when, cause you say the hip hop community, you got to remember, I've been traveling all over the world for 20 something years performing the songs for the right. hip hop community. So right. I'm going to say they real, it's a neck and neck. People love yeah. it, 
But you got to remember too, it's the only remix that I have. Right, right. Do you flip it like halfway through? You start with the original and then like I the do, second I half. I do it different do. ways sometimes. Yeah. But I, okay. I usually perform the, the uh, original. Like I said, the original is my favorite. Right, okay. Because I, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wrote that rhyme. You, couldn't, you can't write that rhyme to that beat. That idea wouldn't have came in my head. It yeah. would, I would have I came up with something else. Because it, it, it was too smooth. I leap over lies in a single pound. The black prophet one day I got struck by knowledge of self. It gave me super scientifical powers. Now I run through the ghetto, battling my arch nemesis, Mr. Ignorance. He's been trying to take me out since the days of my youth. He feared this day will come. I'm hiding his trail, but sometimes he slips away because he has an army. They always give me trouble, mainly hatred, jealousy, and envy. They attack me. They think they got me. But I use my super science and I twist all three. I see sparks over that building. They're shooting at me. I dip, do a backflip. Then I hit him in the heart with shot steel bookmarks. Ignorance hates when I drop it. But no matter what he do. What made you do the dual characters? Because not a lot of MCs do that. Slick Rick was good with that. Biggie was good with that. What made you kind of get into that dual character of uh, kind of talking to yourself? I love comic books. I love hip hop. I mean, that's the roots of hip hop. Uh, Slick Rick is one of my favorite MCs. Yeah. Uh, along with my favorite MC, Cool G Rap, Big Daddy Kane. But I'm all about the storytelling, and and this is and I like to tell stories. So that's it was just my story, you know. And a lot of people think when I made Can't Stop the Prophet, that wasn't about me. That was about Everybody who has to deal with jealousy and deceit and envy and fear, these are all of the things that are within us as human beings. So I thought that it would be a great record that everybody could relate to. You know what I'm saying? I was put myself in the, in the, in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. but I felt like, you know, it was something that we all go through. So You mentioned uh, jealousy, deceit, all that stuff, which kind of sounds like the theme of 2020. Uh, which brings me to your next joint because it seems pretty relevant today. Ain't the devil happy? Mm. So yeah, all my records are relevant because I speak the truth, and the truth well, is always gonna be relevant. <laughs> well, this record in particular kind of has a almost almost like a new meaning, if you will. So let's get into that. Let's get into the the concept, the the making behind it. You and Premier working together. Uh, it was organic. You came up with the idea. He said, here, let's try some of this stuff and, you know, just kind of get behind the process of, of how this record became about. As devil search for the secrets to immortality, I alter my physical chemistry. Bop the valley of the shadow of death. I exist even when no things are left. Vibrations transcend space and time Pure at heart because I deal with the mind That's why I compose these verses Lord of all worlds, my thoughts are now universes Written on these pages is the ageless Wisdom of the sages, ignorance is contagious So I hope you keep your focus There's no hocus pocus In the end, it's just us The process, the process comes It, it, was, it was always in different stages Because first I got to hear what's going on. So I hear what's going on. We'll be at with samples that Premier's using. He's letting me hear samples. He's, he's got drum patterns that he's pulling up, that he's making on the spot, all types of different things. 
switching out drum sounds and hi-hats and all of that. Now then he does all that because you got to remember, we'll be in the studio all day. It's cooking from scratch. Mm -hmm. Now, once he gets to where he's at with that part, I might have went out the room for a while. I might be in there playing pool or whatever because I give him some time. We'll eat lunch. It, it may take all day. Some days he's in there and ain't come up with nothing. Mm. But then when he finally comes up with where it's at and he feel like it's something that I like, he let me hear it. And if I like it, I think of a name of what I'm going to call it because it's like it's like Adam and Eve. You got to name things in order for it to become into existence. So I name it. I say, yo, I'm going to call this this, and I'm going to talk about this. He like, bet, I'm going to scratch this. And then that's how we combine it all together. It's a, it's a process. That's why the scratches, everything go, because we talk about it like oh, how it's going to go. I'm going to call it this, and I'm going to say this. And, and I start writing. And, you know, and that's just one of the things I thought is devil search for the secrets to immortality. I alter my physical chemistry because I started changing who I was as a human being. My diet, all that type stuff was everything was changing. I was altering my chemistry. So that's one thing about all my rhymes. Hmm. All my rhymes are based in 100% truth. It may be some slight exaggerations or, or some um, embellishments, but it's all based on 100% truth. If I say it, like, like I always like to tell people, I talk shit, but I don't talk shit. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so, and it, and it is basically about how, you know, we out here destroying each other while these, this, this rich 1% is out here sucking everything up and, and, and getting people at each other's throats. That's why I said Abel and Cain and, all that tight, and it, it's us. We, you know what I'm saying? It's 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 about us. So, and I hopefully wanted to to help spread that message. You know what I'm saying? That's why I was ain't the devil happy, and and, and we love the um after the laughter come tears. You know the Wu Tang. Mm -hmm. That's a whole mm -hmm. another story about. But we love that record. Ha 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 ha. So you know, I always love the way the Riz around. Oh yeah, he ran, but he didn't get far because I dropped him. <laughs> Who brought in the uh, the Red Fox uh, soundbite? Because I mean, he, you can't get a harder motherfucker than Red Fox. Uh, Preem, this what I'm saying. Preem was was we had records, and he just be list going through that. Ooh, like, ooh, I got an idea for this. Because that's how we was building it together. We was building it. It wasn't like plug and play hip hop like it is today. Yeah, it was it was a it was a, a thing of crafting. So every time each one of us came back, we came back with more. So I say, all right, this is how I'm gonna call it. This. He's like, bet I'm gonna go look for something to scratch. Then forty thirty minutes, forty five minutes later, I come back with the first verse or something. Spit it. He like, oh check, I'm gonna scratch. And then we go from there and we keep going. And then every time you hear it and I'd be like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go to the crib now, whatever. And then I come back in the morning next day. And then he'll be like, yo, let's check this shit out. 
and it'll have that other stuff in it. You'd be like, oh, word. And then, you know, it was, that's how it went. The secret sauce was amazing. Always secret. Listen, it's, it ain't, it's just, it, without the secret sauce, nothing is, 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 you know, everything is just normal. And no, no offense, Jeru, we all want you to do another record with Preem because the, that fucking synergy just doesn't exist. I don't, I don't, I don't find that as an offense. I mean, we worked on the one of the best yet. It's not really, it's not up to me. It's no problem. I don't feel like anything against Preem. Well, he wants to do it with you. We talked to him about it. So. I mean, I talk to Preem all the time. It's not like it's, it's, you got a misconception. We talk. Like, that's, right. I know. It's not, it's not, I don't know why it hasn't happened, but it's not because I'm resisting or he's resisting. You know what I'm saying? It's just this is how life is, you know? And, and it's good that you want to see that and everybody, but you also got to remember too, that we got to be in the same place. We got to be, cause it can't just be beats and stuff like that over line like that, because it's not going to be the same thing. Yeah. The, what created those things was the process. And that's what a lot of people don't really understand. They think that, all right, so soon as you and Premier get together, it's going to be, it's the process. That's what's missing. You know? So we need to, and the corona is, is, uh, is, is making that process impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to spill the beans on the next sample, which is Bob James, because I know Dre was fiending to. Uh, of course. To say that. <laughs> Too commercial. Nautilus. Too commercial. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, another high tempo track, kind of like Mental Stamina. It was, as we're getting closer to the end of the album, this was another way of just. I love the way it was sequenced because, you know, like right. I said, every track is a little different, but this brings you right back up. Um, let's talk briefly about My Mind Spray. We, we've already kind of touched on Come Clean, but mm -hmm. this song in particular was one of those, like, one of those mixtape favorites, if that makes mm. sense. People loved this song in particular on mixtapes. It was like the quintessential j -Roo. So I'd love to hear your take on this song in general. And uh, we don't need to talk about Bob James. We, everyone knows he's the greatest. But this song was like the perfect j -Roo song. I annihilate as I articulate words of power. Your rhymes are uncompounded, so depth your fate. Ostentatious, genius, a rapid. It's mentally clapping to take hip-hop back. That's what's happening. Proficiency and ingenuity. Plus more stabs than a Shaolin. My nuts step re. Your poetry, my formula's deadly. Bring the hypest man in your army, another casual cheat. Slow like demise, I crept on those that slept. Drop in my rhyme science like I'm in hotel. Application of mind over matter. Make full scatter, rhymes fatter, mind splatter. Your girl been over and over and over. MCs try to test the damage up, but you just can't win. Excellent with the wordplay. You lay face down when my mind spread. Those was battle lyrics. Yeah. Those is, that was the battle song. That was the I annihilate as I articulate. Words of yeah. power, your rhymes are uncompounded, so death's your fate. Ostentatious genius of rapping is mentally clapping to take hip-hop back. That's what's happening. Proficiency and ingenuity, plus more skills than a Shaolin. My nuts, step, read. Your poetry, my formula's deadly. Bring the hypest man in your army, another casualty. You know what I'm saying? Like Hell yeah. Crazy, dude. Great. It's like the tiny desk all over again. Holy yes. shit. <laughs> Your lyrics, dude, are just fucking insane, man. Insane. 
And 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 the crazy thing is, I'm better now than I was back then. <laughs> That's the funny thing. Like I, I listen to some of my rounds back then. I'm like, man, I I, I could have did that better, but. See, I, I think maybe because it's you, you're biased or, or you don't see things the way the, the listener sees things. But to me, before we finish out this album, I think you have one of the strongest one-two catalog punches in all of hip-hop. Your first five singles, most people don't have that. Let me just quickly rattle them off. Come right. Clean, The Original, You Can't Stop the Profit, You're Playing Yourself, which is on the follow-up album, and Me or the Papes. Who has five singles consecutively like that i bet you can't think of many you can't i know you, I, i'm gonna speak for you jeru you can't right. <laughs> you can't because when you when you put it out like that in those five in order and i'm not talking about like they were good to okay so they were all classics not many people if any can have can say confidently they've had five consecutive classic hits like you have not in the 90s, no. You know no. what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I mean, in a true sense of the word classic, not in today's classic, you know, where it's disposable arts and anything can get labeled right. a classic. In, in the 90s where it meant something. I'm a, I'm a, I, all right, I can, name, I can name a couple people, though. That have five singles like that? LL Cool J. Well, mm. But on a different level, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, there are some, but you're in that conversation, is what I'm saying. And Busta Rhymes, uh, not really. Ill vibe doesn't have the same effect that you know these singles he just mentioned. You know what I mean? Like, look, I mean, I don't know. For me, like especially LL, come on. Yeah, but he was overground. It's a different thing. You were coming up, so you know what I'm saying he didn't have he didn't have the machine. But when he first had Rock the Bells and all of that, it, different. I mean, no shit. one was out. No one was out at that time. In in ninety in ninety <laughs> three ninety four, tell me someone who had five singles like that. Like I said, come clean hey, the listen, original. I, I'm I'm taking it. I'm accepting it. I'm yeah. I'm being a I, here. I, I don't you think know what I'm saying it's it's. I'm trying not to sweat myself too hard. I know I'm fantastic, but, you know, I'd rather have you say it. Melly Mel was great, but that was the 80s. You know, I'm just saying. I, I say that because you said how you, you sometimes listen to your music and it's almost like you can't believe what you said. But, no, I, I think it was. A no, I didn't say that. I just said I feel like I could have said it better. That's all. I think you're going to always think that if you yeah. if you. If you about your craft, you know what I'm saying? But it was I'm never going to be, oh, my God, that's the greatest thing ever. And this is the thing. When you feel like that, then you don't get better. When you that, feel like you could do better, you get better. Exactly. If you're complacent, you don't elevate as an artist. But, uh, but sometimes you have a streak and you're in a zone. Like I said, Primo had those prime years where you don't realize it until after the fact, years later. Oh, no, we knew it then. That was our oh. goal. Our goal was to destroy everybody. That's what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't no, it was not. Nah, it was, we coming for your head. That's yeah. it. It's in retrospect that, see, I'm saying the opposite of what you're saying. It's in retrospect that I'm saying I could have done better. At the time, I'm like, this is murder one. You know what I'm saying? This is. Well, that was your motivation, but the outcome, the execution is what I'm saying, were those five songs that stood the test of time, still do. So let's, I don't want to continue to derail this, but I was just saying that just to kind of prove All my good. point where I Listen. think 
you 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 spit some phenomenal shit. And if you could have said good. it better, great. But I don't know how much better it could have got because those are some great I, ass points. I, I you know. So so you talked about sequencing, right? And we just talked about my mind spray, and you're like, that was my battle song. So, dude. By the time that song ends, they're fucking wobbling like fucking Glass Joe on Mike Tyson Punch-Out. <laughs> and then and then Come Clean comes on, and you're just like, you, you got the star. So you hit the start button, and Little Mac does the fucking uppercut, bro. Yo, on the front wall, jump up and get bucked. If you're feeling lucky, duck, then press your luck. I snatch fake gangster MCs and make them faggot flambe. Your nine spray. My mind spray, malignant mist that'll leave caught defunct. The results, you'll remain stuffed in a car truck. You couldn't come to the jungles of the East, popping that gang, you won't survive. Get live, catching wreck is our thing. I don't gang bang or shoot out bang bang. The relentless lyrics, the only dope I slang. That shit just floors him. And, and I'll tell you what, you talked earlier, I might get in trouble for this one, guys. Sorry. You talked earlier about everybody today is so sensitive, you can't say a lot. Probably can't say faggot flambe in a, in a rap song. Oh, listen. Right? I said, <laughs> I said, when, uh, since the whole COVID thing, you know, yeah. before the Tiny Desk concert, I've been doing concerts on my own. That's why I already had to set up a certain way. I was yeah, I saw own. you do an Instagram stream one night, I believe, like not too long, like back oh, in like April or something, right? It wasn't an Instagram stream, but I was just letting people know that I was streaming on my own platform because I like to okay. do things on my own platform. You know what I'm saying? Cause, sure. Because those got those pay, those pay gates. You know yep, what I'm yep, saying? Yep, like, yep. Uh, games be sold, not told. But, um... <laughs> And one of the guys, he wrote me, and he was like, man, you know, I really I really loved everything he was doing, but it's just like, you know, when you said a faggot flambe, I cringed. Yeah. And I'm like, I said, bitch, I said, nigga, I said everything else. Why didn't that make you cringe as well? You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's, it's now, it's because we are conditioned now. Mm. To not offend certain people because that's where the money comes from. Right. They, 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 they always say, it's a saying that goes, you know who rules you by who you could offend. You know mm. what I'm saying? Who you allowed to criticize, who you allowed to say. It wasn't, it wasn't talking about homosexuals or a homosexual way of life or anything like that. Right? It was just the vernacular that we used in the and street. Like I said... Yep. People say people go all crazy, but still, you can still say nigga. You can still say bitch. Nobody says anything. But it's a little like the Howard Stern mentality. It's like people listen to what offends them more to what pleases them. And that's kind of the new audience. It's, it's, it's the thing. Is, and what it is, is, is even deeper than that, is, is, is you could say nigga because... They feel like niggas ain't got no financial power. So what's the repercussion? It ain't gonna shut nothing down. But if you but if you offend this group, now yeah. things gonna happen. Tito, get me some tissue. Right. <laughs> Jermaine, stop teasing. So and that's all it is. And I mean, and like I said, like look, come on. I, I talked about all of that stuff back on my records too. So you know it is what it is. But you right. like I said, it's a lot of things you can't do and say today that you could do before because people are so sensitive. They right. so sensitive that you know, and, and then, and this is the deep part about it. And this is the deep and, and what's really crazy about it. 
that people talk about freedom and stuff like that, but want to take your freedom away. Yep. Because I can't say what I want to say. I can only say I'm only free as long as I'm free within your parameter, right? But once, 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 once I get out, then no, you can't do that. Then that's not freedom. You telling me I can't do something. You want to be free. You want the right to be free. You want the right to say this and that. But I don't got that same right to say what I want to say and be and say what I want to be. I don't, I, I want to be, I want to be him. That's it. That's what I am. I don't want to have to say cisgendered or some other shit like that. Why? It's not because I have anything against you or anything against your way, but why are you making your way law? You know, most of the time, the things that people put into effect, it's just oppressive ways, you know? And, and, and I just think that if we're gonna have freedom of speech, we should be able to say free everything. If you could say nigga, if you could say bitch, I think you should be able to say faggot and, and not against anybody because nobody's going through saying, well, what a, what about the niggas? They, I'm not a nigger. Those are not niggers. You know what I'm saying? Or oh, that's a derogatory word to black people. Nobody's saying that. They pumping that shit up and putting it all over the airwaves and making a hundred billion dollars. You know what I'm saying? And and that's what's fucked up. You know, all I gotta say is this is definitely my favorite track off the album. Uh, you you caught my ear talking about the Gangstar startup from I'm the Man, but when this dropped and then anticipating the album and and still stood as my favorite song off the album but mm -hmm. the most the most impactful part of this song for me is the end and, and how you end the song and right. you like bought a tool and didn't learn how to use it got lost in brooklyn now you gotta lose it just for fronting you get that ass you know it, it, fucking Blasting. amazing amazing right. you you've always you still do have had a way to enter a song and exit a song like i'm I mean, a man that's what it's about it's, it's, it's like having sex you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have one of the most um, memorable lines in Return of the Crooklyn Dodgers. And it's oh, the oh my God. The verse, the whole verse is fucking The amazing. whole verse. But at the end, it, it just like you rewind it a bunch of times because Peace the way you close out, you know, you know, with precision, slicing and dicing, piece of the East New York perverted monks of Mike Tyson, that, again, you always make your mark. But... Enough it's always about Brooklyn. <laughs> it's always Brooklyn. Let's get into jungle music. This is track 12 off the album. We mm -hmm. just talked about Come Clean, which is crazy because the album was so good, and then you get to Come Clean, and you're like, oh, shit, I forgot you had dropped this, this single. It just kind of reminds you of how, you know, how great the album is. Jungle music's track 12. Let's get into that. It started on the sand of the land of the mother Word the mother, king like my father My town survived slave ships, whips and chains Hardships still through all this The praise roll off my lips Bring your guns, change the tone, force your religion On me, cut my hair, the vibe still exists To destroy the molesters of my heritage What they conceal, the drums reveal My royal lineage, king of kings Guard of guards like my ancestors' drums I beat the odds More mics to kill the slaves during the middle passage Who rapes and ravages and calls us Savage. Jungle bunny, I'm not more funny. I'm more deadly. They know one day we'll learn how to use it. That's why they fear. Jungle music, that's what they was calling rap. They was calling, remember, it wasn't cool. It, black culture and all that, like hip hop was not cool. They were really against hip hop, the powers that be. And, 
and the Italians and this and that, you know, how it used to be. I grew up in it. I know. People change and things change. And it was some kids who was into it, of course, but for some of the older, like for some of the older or some of the ones coming up who were, who were our age. For the younger kids, it was cooler. But for the, 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 some of the white kids our age, not all of them, because we can't say that. Of course not. But I'm just talking about in our neighborhoods and stuff like that. It's like the movie Do the Right Thing. You know what I'm saying? What's all of this spear chucker, unga bunga, you know, that type of vibe. Are you a troublemaker? Is that what you are? You making trouble? Yeah, I'm a troublemaker. I'm making trouble. And that's why I said they feared. And look, and now check this out. That song that I made is a, a direct vision of what has happened today. I said they, they feared one day we learn how to use it. That's why they fear our jungle music. So look what happened to it. They feared it so much that they took it, turned it, and exploited it, and turned it into black exploitation. And now we have the hip hop that we have today. So it went from, what is this crap? Let's not have it played. Let's not let our kids hear it. Then it went to, all right, we can't beat them. Let's join them. We're going to make money off of them and blah, blah, blah. And then it went into, let's just take it over, turn it into something totally without meaning, without substance, throw cash at the most ignorant, the most negative, the most outrageous people, and let that rot. And, and that's what it is. And now what has become the most powerful, I, I, I said it. I said they feel we learn how to use it because I knew that was the most powerful tool that we had for advancement. And now it has become the biggest weapon of our mass self-destruction. Hip-hop changed the world. Hip-hop changed everything. When you speak about pop music, you're talking about hip-hop. You're not talking about nothing else. People could still make, they could have still made money saying the truth. Public Enemy was one of the biggest groups ever. And they were saying the truth. You don't have to, you don't have to say negative shit to make money. That's a trick that they tell you. Because it's like, you ever seen that Malcolm X movie with Denzel Washington, the Spike Lee joint, when Elijah Muhammad put the dirt in the water and he said, if you give the people this, they'll drink it. See, the people only gonna take what you give them. The people are not dictating really that they like this. It's the programming. That's why the person at the radio station is called the program director. If you hear something over and over and over and over again, you begin to like it. You know, it's a psychological study that shows even if you're exposed to a lie, if you're exposed to it enough times because of familiarity, you begin to accept it. Unbelievable. That's what that is. Hip hop is elevated people's pockets. Yeah, financial status is great, but what be it if a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You have mm. they could have changed hip hop, you see this, you see this. This huge economical gap that's there, that could have been slowed down with hip hop. That could have been, but people were not educated in the right way. So now what it did was like, I got to get as much as I can. It becomes classism. It doesn't become anything else but classism. And that's all it ever is. The middle class has been dying for years. So. Our racism, our racism in America is, is just high level classism. It's named as racism, but what do you think all of those initiatives, systemic racism is really about keeping people in a lower class? Because once that's why they burnt down Black Wall Street and all these other things, because once people start to become financially equal, 
then laws change, things change. The reason things don't change is because people are the lowest on the socioeconomic scale. That's what that is. That's why other people, other communities could come up because they have economics. So once you have economics, and this is what Lauren Hill was saying, right? When we were talking about that back in the day, that's why I said we wasn't, I, I was so busy about the knowledge of self because you do need to know yourself, right? You have to be educated in order to get to the point where you can say, all right, well, with this education, with knowing myself and knowing my situation, now I can take this money and do this. So a lot of those people who have all of this money, they don't really have knowledge of self. So they, the gap is still there. It's the same thing. Yeah, they learn an education. What education are they getting? The education from the schools that have oppressed you anyway? You getting a degree from the man who, who put you there. Yeah. And all he going to do is keep that system. That's why I said what they did with hip-hop, they moved it. That was ours. How many black people actually control hip-hop? That was our thing to control in order to, 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 to close that gap and make look at all the hundreds of billions of dollars that it makes. I'm talking about what hip-hop could have done as a tool when we, when we still owned it, when we still had it. It was a tool to teach. It was a tool to teach the community, not just my kids or, or his kids, but a tool to teach the community. All it teaches is now is that having the bag is good, uh, uh, um, over-sexualization, got that whack, you know what I'm saying? Uh, kill your brother. That's why it's teaching. If it's teaching, how come more rappers now are dying before they records even come out? Or going to jail before they records even come out? That's, wasn't that's what that was for, to take that away so that you don't have to go to jail? So you don't have to get murdered? I think it's... It's important there's voices like yourself, like Kendrick Lamar, Pharaoh, Black Thought, that you guys now not only have a platform, you mentioned your own platform, you like to do stuff on your own platform, but the, the times have changed where take what's yours, whereas before you can only take what was given to you, you know? So to a degree, but it, even still, because... People don't really, people don't really listen. All people want to do is talk about, they're not really listening to what you're saying. It's still, they just, people are following what's popular. That's just human nature. And then yeah, the popular awesome. stuff is so watered down these days that they don't give lyrics a chance or they don't that's listen right. for a people message. Don't they don't, they don't listen for a message in look, anything anymore. Look, and they not, they not even looking at dopeness. Cause now, cause I got, I just put out, I'm putting out a new record every month. Have you guys heard my new records? Yeah, I've, I've heard some. I haven't heard right. it yet, to be honest. So I gotta check it out. Now, Premier hit me personally, like, yo, this is crazy. What's up? And they playing it. So everybody, but now, but other people are going to be like, uh, well, you know, because they trying to go into the past. You can't go into the past. What's dope is dope. If it's dope, just say it's dope. It's not what I wanted or what I thought, because, you know, people always have the idea of what you should be and how you should be. And I'm actually doing really good. It's, it's, I'm getting mad love all over. Rock the bells, here it is. I'm getting mad, crazy spins, whatever, whatever. Like I said, Prem hit me personally. Like, yo, I need that power joint, son. That that shit is crazy. And and my new joint, if and I'm getting, but but still, people they so nostalgic. They want you to stay in in a certain box that they not really listening. They not like, you know, well, wow, this is dope. But me, I just keep pushing ahead you're referring to if was the the if that's my joint but yeah my joint power like i got a lot of joints 
You know what I'm saying? I put out a new record every month. And like I said, it's for people who really appreciate the music. It's not, for, and because like I said, and, and it's, it's, it's always people like, oh, but Premier didn't produce it or that, but that's not what makes it dope. You're not really paying attention. You're not really listening. All right, I feel like we have one more song to, to go. And then we all have, right. all right, so the last song is Static, which is kind of a, mm -hmm. uh, it was a nice ending to a fantastic debut album. Static, um, real quick, do you want to let the listeners know why you chose this as the last song on the album? I mean, because it's, 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 that's what happens when the record finishes, right? Mm -hmm. when, when you play the record. That's the last thing you hear is the static on it. Electromagnetic thing, I get charged Rhymes, I run right through them like a big box of Trojan large MCs try to hang, but it's a Brooklyn thing Poison slang, poison fang, poison pen Let me begin, trying to rhyme up in my cypher It's gambling, freestyling, me G, I be buck wildin'. You can't even challenge a nigga in my position Technician, renditions more freaky than Rick James Fly like airplanes, do it all remain the same My cuts like Freddy Krueger, don't need a German Luger But shoot more shit than Stern Luger a dirty rotten's coming through punks cling to their guns don't start none it won't be none we was in the studio doing something and the record kept going and it was i was like son we should make a record with just static on it <laughs> cream was like word we should do that <laughs> and that's that's how it will always come about it would be just be something like that that static was sampled from. I'm kidding. I'm fucking with you. Right, right. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm there with you me. go. There you yeah. go, Andre. Yeah. You know that it was a very rare, rare record. Yeah. The record costs about twenty thousand dollars nowadays. It was on seventy-eight speed. Some shit was going on. You know. So, but yeah, you know, putting the album together was very, was very um, important. The 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 flow of the album, where you put the songs at not just have a bunch of songs. And like today, I think that's what people do. They just have a bunch of songs and they just put them on there. And, but it's, it's the whole pattern that the album goes in, right? An album should tell a story. If not, what's the purpose of having the album? And it was at the end of the story, the static, statics. Yep. And back then it was so important to have that story and have it, you know, sequence properly because you people, skip. people people had the physical. People had a tape in their hand or a CD in their hand or, you know, today, how, how today the whole concept of an album is kind of gone. Look, because you could skip. You but couldn't really skip right. before if you had a tape. Right, right. Vinyl right there. You could skip. And that's what that's what that's what ruined CDs really was the start of the downfall. That's what's up. You wasn't gonna be trying to go through your tapes you know what I'm saying? Yeah, CD, yeah. CD got everything <laughs> right there. The CDs made everybody a DJ because you can basically customize, make your little mix, and then you, oh. can, you could basically select the songs you wanted from that album, and then you didn't get to have that intimate experience. When you bought a tape back in the day, you had an intimate experience with that tape. One, you bought right. it. It was physical. It was tangible. It was in your hands. You put it in the car, your Walkman, your boombox, and you would just let it play. You wouldn't right. skip. You would, and then what happened is because you invested all that time, all that emotional energy, you appreciated the music more. It right. wasn't quickly disposable like today's music. Yo, right. J. Rue, you could drop a classic album tomorrow, but in a week right. from now, people are going to be on to the next thing. Listen, this is why I'm putting out. This is why I'm putting out a new record every single month. 
Because look, how people, they put out an album, look at the Gangsta album, great album, but boom, next month is gone. So I'm putting out a new record every month, so that that's not gonna happen. Every it, month, whether you're you gonna hear me, you, if you don't wanna hear it, then block me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna say this, I challenge you guys, I challenge you guys as DJs, play my new joints up against the new joints that a lot of dudes is dropping and tell me my shit ain't better. Of course. 100%. Right. That's a challenge to you, especially you, Andre. You two, <laughs> play my joint, play my, play my joint power, and if was, and put it up against a lot of the stuff dudes from my era dropping and tell me it's not better. And if you say that it's not, you 100% lying. <laughs> and I know that for a fact, because it's hard. It's dope, it's, you know what I'm saying? And, and I listen, because I'm listening. I'm listening to, to everybody, because I'm still on that that vibe. Like, I want to hear, I, I want to hear who new album is out. But first of all, dudes putting out albums, we not in the album ever no more. Like nope. you said. But what Jay said earlier, look, I remember taking out that vinyl, opening up the sleeve, reading every credit. Every Come on. I mean, come on, th like I'd fall asleep to listening to LL and reading the shit and I'd like be on the floor. I mean, there was something so special about that. But this is the thing, brother. Yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is cash. It's about what's happening now. Mm. I loved going to the movies. I love the feeling of a new movie and, and actually going to the movies and, and, and a, a different concept. Now everything is a remake. Yeah. Because because of the new technology, see this is all because of the new technology. The new technology now dictates that people can stay home, so they don't have to go to the movies, right? So now, in order for a movie to make money, it has to be a blockbuster. How do you make a blockbuster by giving people something that they're familiar with? That's why everything's a remake mm. or a, or a sequel or something like that. You know, I love. Listen, I love music all types of music music from the 60s the 70s the 50s you know a lot of people don't know i got thousands and thousands of records i got thousands of records i was djing the first thing i bought when i got my record deal was two 1200s a, a gemini scratch master mixer serwin vegas speakers and a samsung amp and i started djing hmm. and i started going and digging records. Then I started collecting all my uncles and them records. Everybody's giving me all of their records. I got classic records. I got first pressings of Bob Marley Smile Jamaica, original 45. Hmm. Like joints that people probably won't even have because I grew up in a household of people, of music people. All my uncles, my grandmothers, everybody had hmm. records. So I love, I love records. I love music. I love, but I live now. So with that, you know, your, your love for DJing, from, from back in the day, when you started uh, kicking it, hanging out with Guru, did you find yourself becoming more of an MC from that point moving forward, or did you... Oh, no, I've been, a, I've been an MC since... I've been rhyming since I was eight years old, homie. Okay, okay. okay. I'm just wondering <laughs> if that, I, like, kind of... Nah, I've been, I've, been, I've been an MC first and foremost. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the first... I like to talk shit. That's what my mom yeah. told me. She said, son, you're very fortunate because you love talk shit and you make a living doing it <laughs> you know what i'm saying it, nice. which is which is is real what uh before we get out of here i just a few quick questions what brought you to germany and kept you in germany well i'm i'm in berlin right now so that's not really germany let's say uh, it's germany okay. but it's like semantics it's like, all right 
It's like saying what brought you to America when you were in New York. What you took know? you out of Brooklyn and, and put right. you in it's, Europe? Right. It's, 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 this, is, this, is, this is basically it's like New York in the 80s and 90s out here. Hmm. Right, because so like, like Andre, that nostalgia we love, I can kind of get that here. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that you know, because, because of the history that they went through, you got to think about it. The wall came down in 1989. Yeah. First mm-hmm. time I came here was 1992. Um, actually, where I'm living now was only a few blocks from where the first hotel we stayed with uh, Gangstar, Guru R.I.P. And they had told us, don't even come on this side. I live on the east, and uh, they were like, don't even come over there. It's nothing over there. It's fascist over there, and blah, 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 blah. But because of that history, things have progressed slower in certain ways. You understand what I'm saying? Because it was just reunified 20-something years ago. So it's, it's progressed slower and different. I mean, as far as technology and everything, and of course, they're just as advanced, more advanced in a lot of ways. But the mentality has developed a little differently. It's a, it's a slow mentality. Like a little, little cultural time capsule there that you found. Yeah, right? yeah. So you could, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, it's everything here. It's everything the same as back home, but it's not. And, and another thing is, you know, people ask about racism and stuff like that. Of course, it's going to always be racism, but this is a different brand of racism. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not systemic racism. It's not embedded. It's more of a, I don't like you type racism. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Not like, and, and I don't, and I'm not a part of the system in that way where, where I feel that because I'm still, I'm still an outsider, right? I still do what I do. I rest here, but I'm going around the world. I'm doing my shows. I come back and, um, like actually because of COVID-19, this is the longest that I've been in Berlin at one period in time. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm usually gone every weekend, you know, for every day of the year. You know what I mean? Like every month of the year, I'm those weekends, probably three, four days every weekend, I'm gone Thursday through Sunday. You know, and then if I'm on tour, I could be out of the country for a month month and a half can we uh play a quick game of uh gun to head we usually do this with our guests i ask you a question just rattle off the first thing that comes to mind you don't have to get wordy just whatever comes to mind start easy real simple wrath of the math or the sun rises in the east which one sun rises in the east all right favorite track in your entire catalog I don't know. I'm on my own dick too hard. Uh, <laughs> favorite guest verse. And when I say guest verse, something that's not obviously, in your, it could be a collaboration like Crooklyn Dodgers or something. That I've done? That um, you've done. Yeah, I like Crooklyn Dodgers. Favorite comic book character? Power Man. You said Iron Man? Power Man. Power Man? Mm-hmm. Is that, was that Marvel or DC? That's I'm Luke not. Cage. Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage. His I know original Cage. name is Power Man. Okay. See, I'm because not. Because that's why I named my third album Heroes for Hire because that was the name of the agency that Luke Cage and um, what's the dude name? Right. That's why I named the Heroes for Hire because that was the name of their agency. It was uh, Luke Cage. Uh, 
Iron Fist. Iron so Fist. Because they had a comic. It was called Power Man and Iron Fist. Got it. Uh, back in the days. And, and, and their, their joint was called Heroes for Hire. Okay, okay. Well, I've learned something new today because I didn't know that. Um, the thing you miss the most about Brooklyn, one thing. Don't say like Junior's Cheesecake or something like that. 1994. <laughs> 1994. <laughs> Don't we all? That was the real Brooklyn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 90. And, and, and that was the time, too, when it was a little bit easier. Like, it was smooth then. Like, I wasn't going to say, like, 88. I don't miss that at all. <laughs> Since you're on your own dick, I'm not going to give you a question about your own work. So I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite Gangstar album? First one that I was on. <laughs> Daily Op? Well, I mean, because yes, hard, hard to Earn is, is equally as good, and you were on that as well. I said the first one I was on, I like Daily Operation. Daily Op. Okay. Your favorite book? The Chronicles of Dow. This one, you can give me a few, because people always like to, to know what someone thinks, what they like. So when I ask you your favorite movie, what movies come to mind? My favorite movie? Um, I mean, I got so many. I'm trying to think. That's a hard question. Frailty. You know that movie? With, with Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. <laughs> really? That might yeah. be the, the what the fuck moment of this entire interview. <laughs> I, like, I like frailty. I like, I like frailty. I think um, yeah, next you tell really me like the way movies are put together. Yeah. And if you really watch it, how it's put together, it's pretty, and it's a nutty story. Like, it's like a, a nutty story. Like, you know, mentally, it seems like it's a mentally ill dude and you know, he's, he's bugging out, killing people, but I liked it. So I not, liked not, not a Clockwork Orange. You go to Frailty of all the movies in the entire film. Like Clockwork history. Orange, I think, <laughs> I think Clockwork Orange is overrated. I think, uh, that's I a think, brilliant thank movie. You. Thank you, me too. I think, who, who said thank you? I think, it's, I, think it's, I think people say that Clockwork Orange is, is dope because other people say that Clockwork yes. Orange is dope. Yep. That shit is kind of boring to me. I, I think yeah, like I don't want to watch this guy get fucking eye drops dropped in his eye with fucking <laughs> clamped open. Like, what's you know so what great saying? about this? It's stupid. Deliverance is dope, though. That that uh, movie's fucking weird, man. That little dude playing <laughs> banjo. Uh uh I got see. I got. I got. You like I got weird movies? Strange, huh? I got strange tastes when it comes to movies. I like things like that gummo? are gummo. <laughs> and not only that, just. He said guttural. That's funny. No, no, okay. no, no. Gummo. This shitty ass rabbit stinks. It smells like the house, Gummo, yeah, that crazy movie. That's, <laughs> that's a crazy movie. You love that too, right? <laughs> I don't love it. That's all right. I want to ask before Jay continues, what's your favorite hip-hop song from the time you were young to now that's not yours? I'm Fly. Cool G Rap. Oh. That's the second time you mentioned G Rap. I didn't know G Rap was, I mean... He's everyone's on everyone's list, but I didn't know he was that high on yours. That's my favorite MC. G oh, rap. Wow. G rap for everybody. Well, because he's a Queens cat, and I feel like you're Brooklyn 100%. Like you would go but to a I, Brooklyn but, guy. But you know, when, 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 when the rap first was starting like that, it was just rap. You know what I'm saying? And it was who had skills. And, and G rap say shit in, in one verse that dudes don't say on their whole records. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, G, G, he was, he was dope. I'm fly. 
Rikers Island, you know. Listen up, young hoods, here's some advice. You do the crime, you're paying the price, you know. But wherever you're in the drug spot, selling crack on the block, snatching chains, busting brains like a real hard rock, Mm-hmm. If you ever hear a man say you're under arrest, go out like a trooper, stick out your chest. Because you might be cooling, you might be wildin', but you won't be smiling on them. Right, Gonzalez. Right, Gonzalez. You know, because that shit was real. Yeah, you know, it was real. And then ask me why. Because I'm fly. Kick, 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 kiss, I'm, kick, kiss, I'm fly, fly. You know, that shit was fly. Like, it's a demo. Yeah. Then at work. Demo. that shit. It's a demo was the shit. It's a demo was crazy. I remember I seen this dude, Bamboo, back in the days, knock out Charlie Chase. The it's a demo is like crazy. Like we did, we in the hood, we up over there by their projects. It's late, it's late night. We out over there by the projects, and you know, so the dude come through, Che, he come through with the it's a demo. It's, so he say something to my man, Bamboo, Bamboo, like, yo talking about it he said listen it's about to be a demo in 32 seconds if you he just knocks him out boop, 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 boop. <laughs> he falls down with the radio and falls asleep on the radio and it's a demo's playing it's a demo it's a demo i was like oh we gotta run about it like like that's the shit like i grew up with you know what i'm saying like <laughs> but yeah g-rap is definitely um g-rap and then when he came back but talk like sex and and that whole album is crazy Mm-hmm. Um, rap is dope. Like to me, he's he's my favorite MC. You know, I, I do. Um, well, before COVID, I was doing a, a thing out in Amsterdam. I call it "Do the Right Thing," where I would bring out like all all my favorite MCs. We had Pete Rock, CL Smooth. We had Dos Effects, Jizz, uh, mm-hmm. Goals, and I got I got to bring out G Rap, and I got to do some of the um, ad libs to what was it? I think it was because I'm fly or one of those, but I was like, I was like a little kid. You know what I'm saying? A little kid. I feel like a little kid. I feel like I'm back in 94 again. I, I wasn't a little kid then, but I was. But young. I remember you, though. <clears throat> I remember you from the DJ pool, from college radio, right? Oh, you remember yeah. the flavor show? We, back, on, uh, I remember. Yeah, man. But look. It still makes me feel like a kid in t- to relive this album with you in '94, which is yeah. arguably one of the greatest years of all time. So I, I can't, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this is what we thank wanted you to for do. Me. We really wanted to do uh, one of these iconic classic albums that just, you know, stood the test of time. And I really, truly believe the Sun Rises in the East is that album. And thank you. I, to relive that with you, to hear your stories. I mean, we've talked two hours. We could easily talk another two hours, but I feel bad. Bro, this two hours, damn, yeah, I got work to do. <laughs> you, you didn't <laughs> even eat yet, so. I, uh, I got I to eat and manage my social uh, media posts. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> of course. Boss work, you know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, I'm over here working, you know? Y'all taking up a brother time, well, but like I said, like I said to you, Andre, I challenge you, and, and, and it's real, and, 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 Take my new joints and the last, whatever the last few joints is that came out for the last few months, take my new joints and play them against them and tell me my joints ain't hip hop and they not better. And I can't remix them, right? No, you can't remix. <laughs> he doesn't do remixes. I <laughs> know, I'm fucking <laughs> with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> 
Everybody always think they shit is better. That's, that's another thing. Everybody think I like it, but yeah, yeah, shut up, nigga. Just go ahead and rap. You got it. Enjoy it. I know you got Ableton. I know you got a computer. Come on. All right, guys, man. I really got to go. It was it was a pleasure. Thank you, Jerry. Thank, Thank you, guys. Everybody, one love. It was a pleasure. Peace, Peace happiness, and love. You know, don't hurt nobody. And, you know, pay attention. Be alert. Peace. Check it out. Check it out. It's your brother, Jerry, the damager, representing the Take It Personal radio show. Fill a flavor. Kevlar and DJ 360 in the house. Homies from back in the day, you know what time it is. Peace. Thank you for listening to Take It Personal Radio. Remember, you can stream and subscribe to our shows directly on our website, takeitpersonalradio.com. We're also available on all streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. You can support the show and become a Patreon member by going to takeitpersonalradio.com. There you'll find several tiered memberships, so pick one and support your favorite podcast. Of course.